Welcome to the Agbo Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Grisafi. Today's show is recorded in the Agbo Media Studio, Mayville, North Dakota. Special guest today, Ted Stoa. Ted is the professor of business at Mayville State University. Ted, welcome down to the uh, podcast, and uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? you got an interesting story. Sure, Tommy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, very, uh, I guess, uh, you know, I've been involved with Mayville State for about five years now as far as uh, professorship and teaching. And I teach in the business division, but uh, really I'm, I'm also, although I teach business courses, I'm uh, the coordinator for the agribusiness degree program, which is a new program that we've put together over the last couple of years. We saw a need for it over many years, uh, you know, uh, in this area and trying to find um, the niche that we would fit. I mean, we have, uh, we're part of the North Dakota University system, so that includes NDSU, which is a big agriculture player. And we didn't really want to compete with them, but we felt there was a niche there. They probably weren't serving to the degree that it could be served. And uh, so that's where we made the decision um, to uh, start this program. Uh, prior to that, I've been involved in business for 35 years, uh, owned and operated my own businesses for a number of years, 25 out of those 35. So have a lot of business experience, live on a farm, live in the rural area of northwest Minnesota. And um, so it's kind of a natural fit for me. That's awesome. Here, uh, I have a book in front of me that you gave me, or the university did, Introduction to Agricultural Economics. Tell me about that class. I've heard uh, you have someone helping you, a guest speaker comes in occasionally. You look kind of familiar, too, on top of it. So we've had you over there a few times, which, um, it, yeah, it's agricultural uh, economics. Um, it's ag econ and uh, price analysis is what the, uh, what the course is called. And, of course, we, uh, we do some things with uh, risk aversion and try to mitigate risk in the agriculture uh, arena for producers and ranchers as they uh, try to market their their products throughout the year. And so that's where we have you come in and do some guest speaking. And it's been very well received. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. Um, so that's one of the courses. We've got a full range of courses uh, throughout the agribusiness degree program, of course. You teach five courses. You told me you and I sat down Friday, and I wish we would have recorded our conversation then. That's when I said, Ted, you got to come back Monday, and we're going to record something, because that was just a nice conversation. You teach five courses, and you weren't always a teacher. You have a pretty neat history behind that. But tell us what five courses you're teaching right now. Sure. Well, I teach even more than five courses, but uh, this semester it's five courses, about six or seven probably that I've taught over the period of time that I've been there at uh, Mayville State University. Um, but we're we're teaching uh, um, a couple of different agribusiness courses. I teach the agribusiness seminar, and I teach the commodities class. We also uh, teach one on sales and uh, egg sales and consulting. Uh, those are the courses we're teaching right now. And then I teach international business as well and organizational development. And uh, we have a couple of our our most, uh, well, our first two graduates will graduate this spring with an agribusiness degree. And uh, so we have a capstone uh, class as well, which I'm uh, in charge of too. So. so this program at Mayville State University here in Mayville, North Dakota, started in 2021? 2021, um, full speed ahead this past fall. So we've been uh, been pretty 
successful, right? You know, it's uh, it's growing, and it will take some time to really build the classes. But we do a lot with the area high schools. We've got uh, various uh, arrangements with some of the two year institutions, um, and uh, you know that's helpful too. The opportunities in these communities, I think, sometimes kids. One of the complaints I have, or one of the things I notice, the opportunities in North Dakota is that we need to not export our talent. So. Uh, nice young men and women are raised in these communities. And I think in the old days, they felt like they had to go to the big city to get a good job, but they're they're leaving incredible jobs and opportunities here. Oh, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. We just had uh, Heather Rank, who's the director of U.S. Commercial Services in Fargo, uh, participate in my international business class this afternoon. And that's one of the things she really stressed is how much uh, opportunity there is in Northwest Minnesota in uh, um, North Dakota throughout the state, South Dakota as well. So, yeah, there's no reason for students unless they choose to, you know, be in that big city environment, but uh, to have to leave this area because there are tons of opportunity. And with today's technologies and communication systems that we have, it makes it all the more easier to uh, be successful in this area. So, well, speaking at communications and technology. I noticed when I was in your classroom helping out that every every uh, class is recorded. It's it's going on a Zoom. They can go back and watch it. The uh, oh, I've taken a few classes. There's uh, all types of things. Blackboard. How do you communicate back and forth with the kids? Uh, if they don't want to come in, they don't have to, right? Yeah, they don't have to if they don't want to come in. Now we have really three different groups that we we. Uh, teach. Um, we have the straight online student. We have also, you know, uh, obviously the on-campus student, but then we do have a hybrid uh, situation too. So we may have an online student that participates in real time with the class because with our our Zoom uh, platforms, we're able to do that. So we just provide them the link and they can be a part of that class, even though they're in another state, another country, whatever it might be. So um, it works very, very well. And that's the one benefit I probably think that, you know, this pandemic has really allowed us to do. It's got its good points. It's got its, you know, points that probably aren't as, you know, well uh, adjusted to. And some some students just don't learn real well online. Um, but uh, it takes a certain discipline. It does. Yes. Yeah, well, there's uh, there's just incredible, incredible opportunities. Our friend Brian Van Horn, uh, he's been up here for about probably three, four years now, and he comes from a little bit of an ag background, and he was just pumped up about this program. He said, Tommy, I'm going to need your help, and it's it's neat to see it happen. It's neat to see the reality of it really take off. First graduating kids, um, your, your love and passion for ag goes way back you told me something about your grandpa that was really neat, and you should really share that with everyone. Sure. Uh, well, my grandfather ran the uh, really the agriculture department at NDSU for about 35 or 40 years. Um, he started in 1919. Um, he was born in, in uh, 1890 here in, well, right in the Trail County in Bucks, outside of Buxton on the prairie. So, um, so I've had a connection with agriculture for many, many, many years. And my grandpa was a large, uh, you know, I guess, uh, uh, person in that egg business area for many, many years. And he was a very humble guy, but uh, was totally dedicated to agriculture and seeing the farmer 
mostly farmer, not so much rancher for him, but the farmer succeed and be successful into the future. And so he's, you know, there's been wheat varieties named after him and all kinds. You can of still things. get a little stow of wheat, right? Yeah, you still can. I saw that in 2019, it was still in, uh, on some of the test fields uh, with uh, NDSU Farms. So outside of Castle, then I got some of it. So. Pretty, pretty incredible history. 40 years of, uh, being involved in that program. Now, you weren't always a teacher. That's what I found fascinating talking to you last Friday. Your your real-life experiences must be what's super attractive to the university system because there's certain people, not knocking anyone, but there's certain people who have been academia since they went to middle school, grade school, high school, college, master's degree, doctorate degree. They've never not worked in academia, and they probably aren't going to appreciate this, but there's something about uh, going to the school of hard knocks and being an entrepreneur, starting a business, and obviously agriculture is uh, by far one of the the greatest things left in America where an actual entrepreneur can own their own company, drop some seed in the dirt, and hope they get, you know, borrow a million dollars and hope 900,000 comes back out, as they used to say. But we're in a, we're in a heck of a market environment now. But agriculture, if you're, if you're involved in it, you can own your own business instantly at a very young age. I think there's some kids in your program who are 19, 20 years old. And when they graduate, they're immediately going to be uh, helping out at those farms. They're already in charge of some grain and a little bit of merchandising and taking some responsibility. So it's just uh, fascinating what's going on there. But go back to your real life experiences. Uh, you caught me off guard Friday when you told me what you did for a living. Sure. Well, I started out uh, many years ago um, working for a, an entrepreneur. And uh, through that experience, I went on to build my own business. And I was in the Kentucky Fried Chicken KFC uh, business as a franchisee and owner for a number of years and uh, really did that for 25 years. And so I really gained a tremendous amount of experience uh, dealing with uh, other business people, just dealing with my own business and and making it, leading it to be a very successful business in old multiple stores after a period of time and probably had 100 to 125 employees at any given time. There's Your first store was in Aberdeen, South Dakota? Aberdeen, South Dakota, then Watertown, South Dakota, another one in Aberdeen. think those are still going probably, huh? Yeah, I think so. I, I've kind of lost touch with them now. It's been a number of years since I sold them. Um, and, uh, you know, it was a Tremendous experience, and uh, it was a lot of fun. And business is a lot of fun, and so is agribusiness as well. So let's talk chicken real quick. Uh, we're coming in the Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm starting to see all these things that the uh, the price of chicken wings have went up thirty, forty percent. It's hard to get certain sizes. If I would have told you as a younger man, uh, being the uh, KFC little king that you were, that in twenty twenty two there's going to be a shortage of chicken, you would have laughed at me. Uh, probably, but, uh, but I known and then watched the markets, you know, there'd be uh, different things that would happen that would pressure the uh, raw chicken market at various times in my 25, 30 years of, of uh, business experience as well. So I've seen these types of things come and go and prices go up. And the last thing you want to do as an independent restaurant owner or business owner is increase prices. I mean, that's the last thing that you want to do, but you've got to pass on that cost at some point in time. There's no getting around it. You have a lot more control in that type of business than the farmer does for uh, marketing his or her grain or, or other products. Um, you know, we do have, we did have the ability because input costs started to rise that we had the ability to independently raise prices. Again, it's not the, what you want to do, but there are points in time where you have to 
pass that on and you know restauranteurs are definitely in that position today so well educate me a little bit in the listeners there has to be an incredible amount of buying power you have as a franchise owner i mean the amount of chicken that kfc goes through is incredible sure um yeah one out of every four head of chicken at one time i don't know if this number still uh went through a kfc anything that was produced 25 percent of that went through a kfc store so that was a it's a tremendous amount of volume just like you said now we were all independent business owners and kfc corporation owned about 20 percent of the stores and the franchisees owned the other 80 um and so what we did as a franchise body is we got together like we try to do an agribusiness as well. A um, little easier to do when you have a group that are pretty closely knit type of group uh, with the franchise body like that. But we started our own co-op and uh, and started to buy in that type of volume and then distribute that out to our, our franchisees. So once you start to do that... A buyer's group? Right. You really capture the opportunity that exists with high volume purchases. You're starting to hear more farmers who get together and they say, hey... I farm big, you farm good size. Let's get our community, our county together and let's go see what we can do. And it's really powerful when it happens. It is when powerful. it's done well though. Right. Could it could backfire, right? But it's hard to get all the people to agree all the time and someone always thinks the but with input costs, just thinking about KFC or any business right now, chickens went up, soybean oils went up, labor. I couldn't imagine what it would be like right now to run a fast food restaurant with a drive-through, with late-night service, that the, the getting people to work things really wild. So not only do we have record-high chicken prices, but we have uh, a labor shortage here in America. Absolutely, and that's one of the biggest obstacles right now is a labor shortage. So wherever you can increase and uh, develop technology that helps you you see mcdonald's with their kiosk kiosk yeah yeah so there's there's various things that you can do i don't know if that's the best approach from the technology side of things but whatever you can do to produce efficiency through technology in the restaurant business and the people that are able to develop those types of products are going to do real well let's fast forward a little bit to uh you got out of kfc and then the next role you took, that was wild, too. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I worked for a period of time for a company um, and uh, basically was – uh, we, we, we were an offshoot. We ended up in Grand Forks and, uh, and I, I got hired, I think when we had 25 people and I was given four different jobs. You got a lot of jobs at that point in time to try and run this plant. And we were an engineering and manufacturing, uh, company. And so we were involved in the oil business and we really, uh, started into the flare end of it is where where I was uh, really focused. Um, so was in the oil business for a number of years, and we we uh, got to a point where um, we had 125 employees at the high end of the range. When uh, you know you know how the oil market goes, it's up and down. And when it was up, we had 125 people that worked under that, and I ended up being the operations manager. So yeah, it was an exciting time. We did. You know, quite a bit of uh, sales in the in the flare business and flaring business, where you flare off the gas off the uh, oil wells. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Great team, um, and was able to uh, help lead that team. So, so you go KFC oil business teacher. I love it. I love it. And you grew up right down the street. Yeah, you grew up right in Buxton. Big family. Yeah, that's where my grandpa started. I grew up in Fargo, but right down the road, you know, he ended up at NDSU and my dad too. So yeah. Incredible run. Incredible run. So these young kids, uh, you know, there's people, it's the Agbo podcasters, young people are going to listen to this. 
give us a few reasons why a young person, something they should be doing in ag, ag economics that maybe they don't realize this career or path is available for them. You meet a lot of people. You're having a lot of people come in and help with your class, myself, others, but I could just think of the opportunities for them to do what I do or give us some other examples. Sure. Uh, there's just, I mean, the, the list is very long. One in every uh, four jobs in the upper Midwest is related to agriculture in one way or another. So the, the opportunity for agribusiness related uh, jobs are just, you know, there's just a, a ton of them out there. And, and it's really important that we as, uh, you know, our, our uh, agribusiness degree program really give people the skill set to be successful in those areas. But just like you said, I mean, the hedging opportunities, the trading opportunities, the investment opportunities that that you're so heavily involved in are things that, and I got to tell you, there's some pretty talented, uh, you know, students that I think over time are going to be in those areas, but also in the banking area, um, producers uh, as well, just, uh, you know, equipment sales, seed sales, chemical sales. There's just a tremendous amount of opportunity in the Midwest for that agribusiness student. And crop insurance. We know people well, in crop insurance. Just, absolutely. There's a financial end that, well, everything's financial. I mean, it, people like the aspect of farming and tractors and all that, but without I always tell people, you don't make money growing corn and beans and wheat. You make money selling it. And we know you're good at growing it. Let's focus and get a little better at selling it. Yeah. One of the things that along that line, we'd always ask new employees is, um, you know, what kind of business we were in. This was in the KFC business and everybody, when they were new, would say the chicken business. And we'd say, nope, we're in the money business. And that was really what it was all about. Again, you didn't, it's the money you made selling the products that you had. So yeah, I agree with you. Well, it's going to be fun this semester, uh, helping you out and meeting the kids, uh, Introduction to Agriculture Economics. And sometimes we read the book and talk about those things. Sometimes uh, the other day we even talked to the kids about Facebook earnings, Snapchat earnings, and we went a little off the rails and left the grain world. But that's what was going on that day. Snapchat doubled. Facebook had its worst day in history, down 23 24%. And to these kids with an iPhone, they understand this stuff. Oh, yeah. Me talking to them about what's going on with Joe Rogan. They're like, oh, yeah, I heard about that. And yeah. They, they know what's going on. So the whole tech technology, it's not going away. Uh, feeding the world's not going away. And, boy, we have some things here in North Dakota I'm excited about. What, what are you hearing with these biofuel crushing plants, uh, aviation, you know, canola used for aviation fuel, something you might be having going on in uh, wet mill and Grand Forks? What, what do you see coming down the pipe? Well, we, we're going to, in fact, right along that line, we're going to have a workshop here on campus uh, in about a week, a little over a week, and uh, it's going to be a week from Wednesday, in fact, um, but it's going to be a group that comes out that's helping North Dakota and working with the, it's sponsored by the North Dakota Soybean Council, and uh, what it is is a group that's coming out and trying to help us uh, understand that biofuel uh, environment to a greater degree. And really, we're going to be talking about, uh, biodiesel, which is going to be a soybean based product and, uh, and renewable diesel, which is, you know, a little bit different, but they're going to talk about that too as well. Um, and that's really going to be, I think that has a tremendous potential for this area of the, of the world and this, this state, North Dakota, the soybean producer and, uh, Northwest Minnesota, South Dakota. Uh, it's, it's really going to make a big difference. And, North Dakota has made the commitment to, to build these plants, and they're coming in, the soybean crushing plants, and they're going to be located in the state, and it's going to give us that opportunity to 
probably get a better return on our investment and, and make more money on our, our soybean. Think about what North Dakota's good at. We, we're great at ag and we have uh, energy. Now our energy's been a little bit uh, uh, set back with pipelines and whatnot, but right. that energy that's in that ground's not going away. No. And uh, policies will change, and we'll start getting at that stuff again. Incredible opportunities up here. If uh, someone younger wants to get involved in the program or learn more about Mayville State or get a hold of you or uh, anyone at the university, sit in on one of your classes, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Well, they could either email me, um, theodore.stoa at mayvillestate.edu. Um, they could, uh, call the university and they'll set up a, you know, a call for me to get back to them if I don't happen to be at my desk, which is quite often. So, um, there's, there's ways to get a hold of me. It's not, not hard to do. And I always return my phone calls and I've always found a good standard in business is when somebody reaches out to you by email or a phone call, get back to them within that 24 hour period, if at all possible. Right. It's tougher right. when it gets busy. You might have to Snapchat them. That's how to get a hold of people really quick. <laughs> yeah, that too. Oh, the technology's changed, but the dealing with people. Let's talk about that and wrap it up with that. We teach, we teach young people how much has been lost in communication skills. So earlier in the podcast, we talked about all the greatness of this technology. I had told a group of young people the other day that I, I did a large presentation in front of uh, 500 people for 55 minutes and I didn't have a PowerPoint. I didn't have anything. I just went up there and spoke. I, I don't know that young kids, uh, if they're not texting or something, they, some of them are quiet. They forgot how to communicate or that. Yeah, you know. I, I think that's true. I, I really do feel that that's, you know, part of the, you know, the after effects of the increased uh, technologies that we have today. I mean, it's, and it's a byproduct that probably isn't a positive byproduct. So we, I know, uh, in my classes, we, even on, in online classes, I, that ability to communicate, uh, is very, very important. And we practice those communication skills in all my classes. Um, and they have to do presentations, the students do, even the online students. And we do the presentation, you know, over, we've got a couple of different, uh, you know, YouTube type, uh, setups where they can do their presentation and then turn it in and put it in a Dropbox. And we do that all the way and we, uh, through the courses. And, and I think it's really important. And also written communication, being able to write well. It's very important to be able to do that as well. So, um, we, we stress those things at Mayville State University for sure. Warren Buffett once said, if you want to increase your value to a company by a hundred thousand dollars a year, learn to speak in public. And I wouldn't have believed it, but now I do. I mean, the ability to go out there and speak confidently, uh, maybe you got to fake it till you make it. But the fact you can go, and he he himself said he's incredibly nervous to speak in public. Sure. Yeah, I, and I believe it. But it, you see him whenever he speaks, people listen. So <laughs> uh, he's, he's got it down pretty yeah. good at this point in his career, for sure. Well, from Warren Buffett to Chicken Wings to uh, Introduction to Agriculture with Economics, I can't thank you enough for coming down here. Ted Stoa from Mayville State University. We're here in Trail County, North Dakota, Mayville, North Dakota. And Ted, uh, I look real forward to jumping in on a few more classes. And uh, there's a great bunch of kids in there. Yeah, there really is. And we just love having you in there, too. And, they, and they're and uh, they very happy to have that uh, ability to hear you talk and, and, and share some of your real life experience as well. And I think that is super impactful for the, for the students that we have. So yeah, great bunch of kids. Well, Ted, thanks so much. My name's Tommy Grisafi and I'm bullish agriculture.